This is the Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And now, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. Hello. Welcome to another edition. I'm starting to lose count now. Another edition of the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I am very, very happy today to welcome Mr. Corey Brownfield, who is the founder of CREAM. And I'm going to let Mr. Brownfield explain. CREAM is an acronym. I'm going to let him explain what the acronym CREAM stands for. Yes, the acronym CREAM, it stands for Kids Rule Everything Around Me. And um, it's kind of where God has kind of pushed into my life what I would be doing and how I would use my platform to give back to kids and make sure kids have the opportunity to be the best they can be. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come and share with us today. And for those who who are viewing, uh, just out of viewer sight, uh, we have three young people. Uh, who are a part of the CREAM program, uh, one of which is Mr. Brownfield's son, and he brought two buddies with him. And before it's over, we might be able to get him to say something or at least come shout out at the screen or something like that. But, <laughs> but they're sitting here today, and I'm very happy to have them here, too. First time we've had an audience when we did this, so this is all brand new to us. Tell me your story. You, you were sharing with us before we started recording. Tell me your story. Who, who is Corey Brownfield? Well, um... I'm a graduate. I'm, I'm Baton Rouge, born and raised. Um, I'm very serious about my community, about our city, about the growth and development of our city. And um, I'm a kid that just had the right guidance. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a guy that had the right guidance, the right coaches, the right mentors, the right leaders in my life that um, helped me get to the point where I knew I could help others. And I understood that, you know, I could be a, a creature of change in the city with, with my platforms. Um, well, the cream aspect, I went to Southern Lab in high school, had mm-hmm. a great um, background from Southern Lab. Um, I was able to go to earn a, a college scholarship to Grambling State University. Uh, went to Grambling, graduated from three in three years in business marketing. Uh, went on to work for Wells Fargo Financial, which was a great opportunity to, to actually hear my coaches every day talk about corporate America, corporate America, corporate America. Um, mm-hmm. I had a, a coach... Melvin Spears was my offensive coordinator, and he beat that into our heads and mentally uh, just drove it into our heads about corporate America, being prepared for the next step, not being late, um, always being on time, always being accountable. And just um, from having my high school coach, Eric Randall, then having Doug Williams as my college coach and, and all the great assistant coaches, I think that molded me into the man I am today to, to be able to overcome adversity and to just be able to lead and not be scared to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, after my Grambling experience, um, I started a company uh, with two of my friends, Cream. It was it was Cream at the time. It was Cream and Entertainment at the time. Okay. And we were doing like parties and concerts. Um, through my business background, I was always able to bring people together. So um, we started that company, and um, it was going well. Everything was going well, and um, I happened to have a little son coming. Uh, my son was coming, and. Um, I just told myself I'm not very proud of this. It's something I, I do, you know, as mm-hmm. a, a promoter. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just, I just told myself um, I want my son to be proud of me when he get when he gets here. I want him to be able to look at me and say, "My dad's great. My dad's doing something to give me a chance and give other kids a chance." So um, I, I, I kind of shaded away from the the uh, nightlife entertainment side of mm-hmm. it and. Uh, I, I moved into working with kids. Now, that story is even funny how that happened. Not funny, but 
it's it's life changing how that story happened. Um, mm -hmm. Me going to Southern Lab, I had a background of you know kind of a privileged kid. I, some of the things that were going on in the inner city commit um, community, I wasn't seeing those things. You know, right. my parents. I come from a two parent home. My family was very structured, um, very family atmosphere. So I didn't see, you know, too much of a single parent home. Too much of the kids that didn't have anything to eat. You know, mm -hmm. I just didn't know that at that side of it. So um, as uh, I. I got a call from um, Dr. Peoples at Southern University. She asked me to come speak to the kids for career day. At the time, I was working for Wells Fargo, but I still had Cream Entertainment, which was a nightlife mm -hmm. um, promotional type of situation. Mm -hmm. um, I went to visit those kids at Crestworth and talked to them about um, what I was doing as a profession and just to motivate them, inspire them. And while, while I was there, um, two kids had a fight. A coach took the kids in the locker room while we were doing career day and made two kids fight. And one kid wound up getting his skull fractured. Um, so they had no coach. So she called me back again, and she was like, can you come coach the kids? I know you have an athletic background. Mm -hmm. Can you come help these kids? And I said, um, I'll come and check it out a few days and, and, you know, and just you know, help them get it off the program off the ground. But I didn't feel like I had the time. Right. But God had another plan for me. <laughs> I thought that you know, I wouldn't have the time, but... Um, I went, I started helping the kids, and me being an athlete, it, it just, the, my juices start back flowing with helping mm -hmm. the kids. So I said, you know, I want these kids to know me. I want to know the kids. I want to know where they come from. I want to know how to reach the kids. So I made them all write um, short essays about themselves. And one kid, I, it, it haunts me to this day still, um, Chris Williams. He was a great basketball player. And in reading his story, he talked about how he wanted to be uh, engineer, he wanted to be a basketball player, and this kid was very smart. Didn't realize his mom was a was a drug dealer, mm -hmm. and he wrote in the story how he felt he was gonna get killed any day. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, "Whoa, this is alarming." So I talked to the kid. He told me a story that he didn't, he felt like he didn't want to go home because so much things were going around outside his home as well as in his home. And this is middle school. This is middle school. And he thought he could die at any day. At any day. And I, Keep going. I, I asked the principal, you know, um, could I go pick him up? But I was so new in education at the time, uh, I didn't go pick him up. You know, she said, kids can't ride in, in your car, so I didn't go pick him up. Um, by 5 o'clock that day when I got home after practice, he, he wasn't at practice. Um, I got home, I looked at the news, and, yes, he, was, he showed him being murdered. And, you know, it, 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 just, it just melted me. It just took everything out of me. It just... Because I knew I had got I've I had gotten adapted to helping the kids, mm -hmm. and for a kid right who had just written me an essay about his life, that I couldn't help him. You know, right. it hurt. It, it just hurt me that I could not help that kid. And from that day on, whether administrators or it allowed me to pick up kids, I always did moving forward mm -hmm. because I knew some kids might not have a ride or opportunity to get to practice. Mm -hmm. So um, I took those group of kids. They wound up going and winning the middle school championship three years in a row. They wound up never losing the football game. I became the athletic director at Crestworth Middle um, and the football coach and basketball coach. And under my leadership, those kids never lost. And I said, you know what? It has to be a next step for these kids. Mm -hmm. I know we're at the middle school sec sector, but I don't know what's the next step. So um, Cleo Fields, he observed what we, what we were doing with the kids, and right. he reached out. He, he said, Corey, can you come coach our team? Mm -hmm. I see what you're doing. You know, if you come, you know, it, it help the kids with resources, and it won't be as hard on you. And, you know, um, we went over um, with Louisiana leadership. The kids wound up finished fourth in the nation. I thank God he was able to help the kids 
because at the time I didn't know how we were going to fund it or help the kids, um, you know, all these trips going all over the nation. Mm -hmm. uh, we wound up fin finishing fourth in the nation that year, and um, I got another call. It was Mr. Jim Bernhardt, and he called me and he said, um, can you coach our team the, the following year? Um, I went over and coached that team, and I was able to bring some of those inner-city kids to that team. So they got a chance to see both sides of Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. And it was it was an interesting thing to see them, uh, some of those kids, not know how to interact with other kids. And as time went on, they were all, like, best friends and best buds. But we took that team. We were able to go and win the entire national championship. i never forget that day. Uh, it was life-changing for me because he came in the room and he said, um, Corey, can you go and talk to the kids and tell them to get their parents on the phone? I'm sending my fly, private jet back to Baton Rouge to fly all those parents to the game. And he really did that. And all those camp parents came up and they got a chance to see those kids have success and win the national championship. And it was just the the eye-opening project, the, the, the project, or just, just to see to see that happen, you know, it was priceless, a priceless moment for me, for kids from the inner city who you know, wouldn't have these opportunities to get a chance to fly all over the country in private jets um, to just be a part of something they had never seen in their life. And it just motivated me to keep going on and on and on. Um, when we, I started the company with my two friends, the only thing I asked, I asked could we spell um, cream with a K. At the time, I asked for that because I'm a Kappa. Um, and I <laughs> so okay. I, I didn't see what the plan God had for me. Uh -huh. uh, I didn't see it. I just didn't see it. Um, so we spelled cream with a K and we went on and, you know, we, we did what we were doing, um, uh, for as the, the company and, and as time went on, you know, uh, my partners went on to do other great things in their own individual rights. And I just kept cream going because I wanted to keep helping the kids, you know, right. so, you know, they still help kids in their own capacity, but I wanted to keep that going. And, um, and when I switched it from, a uh, uh, entertainment spectrum or nightlife spectrum, um, I thought about it. What am I going to call these kids' team? What what am I going to name the, the team? And I looked at it and I said, wow, cream. Kids rule everything around me. God had already had that plan. I just didn't realize it was set up exactly like that. Yeah. And as time went on, I, I realized what God was doing. Mm -hmm. My I feel like my gift has always been to help others. And, you know, but helping adults sometimes, it can get a little tricky, you know. Yeah. But it can get a little tricky. It can get, you know, it can go a little different sometimes, but with kids, they're genuine. If they make a mistake or nobody's perfect, you know, but if they make a mistake, you can help those kids redirect themselves or put them on the right track. And mm -hmm. I knew with my passion for helping others, just directing that totally towards kids, I could, I could make a difference. And well, clearly you've made a difference, not just as far as athletic uh, ability is concerned, but you have been responsible, you and Cream have been responsible for uh, children receiving scholarships to further their education. Some yes, sir. 300 young people have received scholarships to further their education. Talk about that. Yes, um, that aspect is, is great. Um, me having a business background, me coming from a, a very structured educational system, mm -hmm. um, graduating college in three years, I knew it was a bigger picture. So um, as much as I am about athletics, I'm also about education because that's my foundation. Um, mm -hmm. So it's been um, over the last 10 years, um, seven to 10 years, um, we've been able to successfully help kids all over Louisiana um, and other states um, obtain not just athletic scholarships, but academic scholarships as well. So that's the piece nobody knows, um, but I'm just, I'm just doing the work. You know, I'm not 
you know, trying to get, um, you know, all the accolades or anything for helping kids or putting them in different situations. But, yes, sir, um, we've been able to successfully help over 300 kids get to college. So we have kids um, all over now, um, kids in Alabama, Mexico, Tennessee, Florida, LSU, Southern, Grambling, Morehouse, um, Clark. I mean, they're all over. Kids are just all over that have touched our program, have been a part of the process of me helping kids um, that's that's succeeding, you know, that they're achieving every which, day. Which kids do you concentrate on? I know you started off with middle school kids. So mm -hmm. do, is that really your primary focus? Or oh, no, sir. From uh, middle school all the way up to high well, school? Well, we take them from, from actually kindergarten. Okay. And we build them up with just character building programs, not just all athletics, uh, even some of the things we're doing right now. And that's why I want our kids to be able to see mm -hmm. you have to be able to speak. You have to right. be able to talk. You have to be able to express yourself. Um, so we take them from kindergarten all the way up. Um, basically, have to show their report cards. We have an academic ch um, ch chart. If you if you, your grades are not up to par, we're gonna sit you down, and you're gonna concentrate more on academics than athletics. So the kids know they all have to bring their report cards. They have to show their report cards. Even initially, when you come into the program, mm -hmm. we have to have that so we can evaluate where you are to where we think you should be in the okay. future. So okay. we take the kids from um, you know, in, in in the school year, they they do all the activities for their school, but in the summer times, um, they come into my to my program. And uh, with basketball, track, um, they do all that stuff. So, yeah. How many helpers do you have? How, well, how many we have a, do you have assisting? Well, you with all this? well, it's broken down. Uh, we have we have basketball. Um, uh, we have three teams of basketball: um, second and third grade, fourth and fifth grade, and sixth. Yeah, and sixth grade, and it goes all the way to up eighth grade. Um, so we help those kids on the positive track. We take them all over the country to different football camps, basketball camps. We have a youth track team that's growing every day. We started last year with only eight kids, and now we're almost up to 100 kids on the track team. Wow. Yes, sir. And we're going to Disney World and for the national championship in about on um, July 7th through the 15th. Wow. So now we've been able to produce youth All-Americans. Um, it's just a whole platform of me having a relationship with different college coaches, college administrators, to where when I have a kid that can be placed in a different situation, we try to we try to help them. Even from the standpoint where when I was at Southern Lab, if I called um, a coach, I would be very adamant about the kids and their situation and getting them that opportunity. So if I had to sit in the room all day and make 300 calls, and I think Wells Fargo prepared me for that, that mm -hmm. business side of it. If I had to make call after call after call after call to different colleges to get them to see the kids film, I would do that because I was lucky to always have good coaches. And that I, I feel like that helped me the, the whole way through. But I have stories of my friends telling me about how their coaches would hide their recruitment ladders. They never get their recruitment ladders. I'm like, I didn't go through that. So, um, you know, when you see some of these schools and they have these – What's the rationale behind that? Why, why would they – for what reason would a coach hide a recruitment letter? I'm just trying to understand – I wouldn't understand that either, but from my um, from my experience, some of the coaches just don't have the relationships with the college coaches. So it's not that they're trying to not they're trying to hide anything. They just don't have certain relationships mm -hmm. with those coaches. And some of those, and what I t what I tell people all the time, some of those letters that come into those high schools, some of them are just questionnaires. Okay. You have to do your research, and you have to get on the phone and call those call those those colleges, mm -hmm. and basically sell your kids, sell what your kids can do, and sell their character. Mm -hmm. And um, at a small school at Southern Lab um, four years ago, five years ago, we were able to have a team of about 
40 kids and 14 seniors went to school out of 40 kids. That's that's pretty amazing. It's five yes, it schools is. that can't send 14 to 16 kids to college. Yeah. So it's, it's just all about just being committed to getting them to the next level. And, you know, I, I like to tell parents, um, we're going to take your kid from the beginning where they are, and we're going to show you at the end what we can blossom mm -hmm. them to, you know, to, to be. And this is for boys and girls? Boys and girls, yes, sir. Excellent. You, you were saying before we started taping that you also have a track team in New Orleans. Well, um, volleyball team. In New volleyball Orleans. team. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, volleyball, um, well, I just had a friend who was in New Orleans, and I talked to her and told her, look, you, you're a college athlete. You know, it's, you know, you can affect this community by your knowledge of what you learned with volleyball. Um, so she was able to, I, um, I basically put a plan together on how she could get the kids, how you know how she could basically um, get the facilities to provide to provide the service for the kids, and she was able to make the program work. And I just um, basically assist with anything she needs to help it grow, um, marketing and whatever we need to make that program grow. But she's the expert on the volleyball side of New Orleans. But that program is now growing from 11 kids to almost 200 kids now. So I have a plan to bring volleyball now to Baton Rouge. So we can keep growing that plan, that program as well. But um, a few years ago, I was the athletic director and head football coach at Capitol High School, and I was able to start the first um, inner city lacrosse team. And now we have kids in Baton. <laughs> no, everyone thought I was like they thought he crazy. That's not gonna work. But um, I just think one I just, of the greatest football players of all time, Jim Brown. Jim Brown, was yes. A star I researched the whole thing. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Very good. But you don't hear too much about lacrosse, especially down here. Well, I think Southern Lab for that as well. Um, they sent me to a training in Boston, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. While I was at that training, I'm a sports guy, so there's no way I'm going to be in Boston. I'm not going to go to Harvard's athletic department. Right. So I went and talked to the coaches. All the coaches formulated the relationships. They let me meet the lacrosse team. They let me meet the um, football players. And it was a kid from Compton, California. And I asked him, I said, how did you get to Harvard from from um, Compton, he said, well, coach, this is what my, what my football coach. I might have been a four-string football player in um, Cal Poly, but in lacrosse, I was a first-string guy. Wow. So his coach motivated him to start to take, to take up um, lacrosse. Wow. So he played lacrosse, and now he's at Harvard. That's amazing. So I took that aspect and said, there's no way I'm going to learn this information and not bring this down to Baton Rouge. Yeah. So we were honored at the state capitol for having the first ever inner city lacrosse team. And that's a program I look forward to keep developing in our area because it, it, it can't be just basketball, football, track, the traditional sports. We have to open our kids' minds to the different things. It should be golf going on. It should be more soccer going on. You know, it's just a lot of things that we can touch in Baton Rouge. And I'm trying to touch um, because as I look at I, I show my son the statistics of Louisiana, and I show him, I said, um, it actually shows statistically that it's the worst state to live in. And I showed him the opportunity here is 50, which out of 50 states, yes. we have the least opportunity. Yes. So we have to create these different platforms to try to make it out, to get a different way. He wants to be a lawyer, so I'm going to use all my resources to put him around different people that can help him obtain that, that goal, yeah. as well as with football. And um, with having these kids, like I, like I said, um, we have kids at Alabama, um, we have kids all over, so we were able to um, go to the Nick Saban football camp this 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 um, year, uh, a few weeks ago, and there was 1,100 kids there. And I told my son, just do your best. Out of 1,100 kids, him and one of his friends came back as the top campers in their age group. So 
it's a long way from now, but in 2025, in Alabama's top recruitment class as a quarterback, they already know my son. So that's part of the platform of getting the kids, is putting them out there early. Wow. You know that there's a huge Alabama following here in Baton Rouge. You'd be amazed, especially black folk. Right. They love Nick Saban mm-hmm. and Alabama, and they love it when Alabama beats LSU. So right. they've been having a high old time for the last several years. Yes, sir. But uh, it's amazing the, the, the uh, networking that you have been able to do on behalf of these children. And uh, your, your work has been nothing but stellar, and, and you have a lot to be proud of. We had uh, a young man here a couple weeks ago uh, as our guest, uh, Byron Wade. Byron and, Wade. And mm-hmm. we were talking about uh, athletics Great guy. Mm-hmm. and scholarship mm-hmm. and GPAs. Yes, sir. And uh, I believe last year or year before last, uh, the High School Athletic Association dropped GPAs mm-hmm. down uh, to allow mm-hmm. for kids who weren't doing well in the classroom to be able to continue to play uh, uh, organized athletics. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your attitude about about that? Um, I think um, in our state, um, in our city, that gives kids the opportunity who might be in the streets, mm-hmm. at home, an opportunity to to be a part of something, but I, I say I, I would be for it because that's time you could take that kid and redirect him. If you take a kid that has a 1.5 and say, okay, we can't deal with him, he's not gonna make it, but if you could take that kid that has that, because I mean, I've already did this model, this, this model. If you take a kid that has a 1.5, a kid that no one believes in, and you get that kid up to a 3.0 and they're able to go off and get scholarships, right. you saved a life. Right. You got that kid out of, out of a situation that if he stayed, his chance of, of living would probably be less. Okay. Devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. That those who opposed the, the change said that you're making athletics more important than academics uh, by, by lowering the GPA. Uh, you're, you're giving kids an out so that they don't have to excel in the classroom in order to be a part of athletics. Right. What's your response well, to I, that? Well, I think it should be benchmarks. It should be benchmarks. It should be some, some form of I wouldn't say probation, but some form of monitoring kids to get them right, to get them on the on the right track. Because as I look at my TV every day, it's a kid dying every day in Baton Rouge. Yes. So if we could use those platforms to give a kid an opportunity to be successful, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. What's the spiritual component to what you? This is Shiloh's Thrive. I'm going to tell you this, and and, and so I, I have to ask about the spiritual component of what my, it is that My you do. mom, um, she has these great aspirations. She has a friend. Um, her best friend goes to, goes to Shiloh, Ella Shannon. That's her best friend. Um, she has a, a, a <laughs> in her mind, she feels that I'm going to be a preacher one day. She's been telling me that since I was 10 years old, five years old. And what I'm seeing, um, she, she told me this other day, she's like, you don't even realize you, you're doing this work right now. You don't even realize what's going on. You are doing great work. And when we, when we huddle before we practice, we pray. I worked these kids out this morning. When we ended the practice, we prayed. So I find myself praying a whole lot more mm-hmm. because I have these kids involved, and that's the standard. Mm-hmm. We know we keep God first, family and school, then athletics. That's that's our model. They know that. It's God first with our program. So 
as as much as I can to be an inspiration to kids, to stay positive, to tell them when it get hard, you know, put that ask God to keep keep pushing you because you wouldn't be able to have this opportunity. He wouldn't put you in this position if you couldn't push forward to overcome the adversity that you're going through. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I didn't even realize what was going on, I'm being honest with you, that we pray so much because that's the standard. Before we, before we practice, we pray. Before we break the practice, we pray. And it's just becoming more and more a, a part of me and I'm understanding what's going on. It's not I'm like I'm in a situation anymore where I don't see what God is doing. I 100% see what God is doing with mm-hmm. me. And, and my faith in him has just taken it to another level. With what I'm doing with um, with Cream um, Youth Sports, we don't have very many backers or people funding this program. God is just leading me, telling me what to do, and step by step, and we've been able to be successful. So. The background with um with with the aspect of the law, he's first in everything we're doing with our program. That's wonderful. As a young man who deals with young people, I'm sure that you're aware that uh, among African Americans, uh, church attendance mm-hmm. for young people is waning. Right. Uh, it's still above the average of other ethnic groups. Right. Uh, black kids go to church more than white kids. Black kids go to church more than Asian mm-hmm. kids. Uh, and black kids in the South, mm-hmm. uh, particularly, go to church more than black kids in other parts of the country. That being said, it's still waning. It's mm-hmm. not as it was when, and I'm much older than you are, I'm 56 years old. When I was a kid, you ain't had no choice. Right. And, that's how I was and, right. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, the, these days, it's, it's not the same. And that's not to say it's good or bad, mm-hmm. right? Or I know everybody thinks Everything was better in the good old days. That's not what I'm. That's, that's not my point. My point is this: What is it that you think? What would be your counsel, as a person who has been successful with young people and motivating young people? What would be your counsel to African American pastors and African American churches, as far as the ability to reach out to young people and get them? to be excited about coming to church. Because I don't see parents telling kids, no, you can't go to church. Mm-hmm. I see kids saying, I don't want to go to church. Right. It's boring. I don't want right. to be bothered with that. I've heard the same lesson 10 times. Why, why mm-hmm. we got to go through that all over again? So what is it that we can do as churches and as pastors that will make young people, young people like your children, like these young men who are here, want to be a part of of, of of a church experience? Well, um, the same aspect that I use to basically not, I wouldn't say trick kids into education, but I held them accountable. Every, like if you look at the, 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 the statistics, the most kids that go to the NFL is right here from Louisiana. Statistics show that. So if those kids were, if those youth organizations were aligned with a church, and if that was a part of just the standard um, our order of operations with churches being involved, with the youth organization being involved with the churches, and just like I stated, as we pray, and, you know, that could be used as, as an avenue to get kids more involved with, because it's all about educating them on the word of the Lord, on schoolwork. It's all about the education of it. So if we can reach out to more youth organizations for as the sports programs mm-hmm. and get them involved with the churches, mm-hmm. like just running church leagues, that definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Um, with um, just having different things where, um, like with our, with, our, with our organization right now, we know we're planning a fish fry. Um, if we did that at a church for the organization, you automatically bring them in 
to you getting them at the church. Right. So um, I, I've been big on a component of of bringing kids to like, like mass marketing, bringing them to that that particular place, and then spreading the word on what's going on. Like mm-hmm. we're just bringing in motivational speakers. You could bring a pastor in at the end of practice and invite the kids to church. Mm-hmm. You could bring um, the deacons in to the practice and just educate the kids on the Lord and the Lord's word. And that could help them as well. But I think if, if more churches had youth programs or um, reach out to the youth coaches to involve their youth pro- youth programs within the church program, mm-hmm. it, it would spread like wildflowers. We're, we are a part, Shiloh is a part of a larger association of mm-hmm. churches called the 4th District Missionary Baptist Association. It's 200-some-odd churches across six parishes, East and West Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. East and West Feliciana, Iberville and Point Capi mm-hmm. parishes. Uh, we spend a lot of our time uh, trying to develop a Christian education program. We have a, a once a year Congress of Christian Education. Mm-hmm. We have a once a year annual session. Uh, but the efforts that we have put forth to put forth to 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 have to sponsor uh, children's leagues mm-hmm. uh, have not been as successful. Uh, we compete with high schools. We mm-hmm. compete with uh, Brett programs. Right, right, we compete right. with AAU, right. and we lose out mm-hmm. on, on that by and large. How were you able to find a niche where where you could compete uh, with with these other entities that were out there that were all geared toward young people? Um, how was I able to compete? Um, just basically selling my platform of I, I'm I'm be honest, parents trust me with their kids. They do. They, you know, we're just creating a platform of just showing the love for the kids, showing mm-hmm. the dedication. Um, I did a lot of marketing um, on my own with showing different promotional videos of what my company is all about, what we're doing for the kids, and just showing that platform. And also just door to door. Like also, if I see a kid in the supermarket, you play for a team. <laughs> This is seriously what's going I, I, on. I'm watching you. Yeah. Yes, sir. You play for a team. You on a team. You're involved. What's your grade point average? Uh, my, mom, we can help him get his grades up. If you let him play this sport with us, I promise you by the time he's finished, by the second nine weeks, he will have a 2.5. Or you don't even have to let him play anymore. Because I know that we can bring a real man by what they want. They want mm-hmm. the sports. So we can reel him in and say, okay. And so I had to do this at Crestwood. These kids was not listening. Okay, you want to play football? You got to go to study hall before we go to football practice. And I took that model based off what I learned in college. Mm-hmm. Before you go to practice, you got to go to study hall. Or you right. go to study hall after practice. But you're going to study hall. Right. Unless you have a 4.0 or, you know, that type of situation. So, yeah, we instituted that at um, Crestworth. And those kids, honestly, those kids were able to – a lot of people told me to stop working with those kids. They weren't going to be anything. Those kids, eight of those kids were able to – obtain um, financial assistance to go to high schools because of their grade point averages. And eight of those kids are playing college football and it's, it's working out for them. Yeah. Um, the only thing that, um, that that I wish I could have done different, and I'm still trying to figure this aspect out, um, is how to save more kids. Um, and throughout, the, throughout my situation with dealing with, with kids over the years, I've had 16 kids that, that have been either either gunshot violence or just drug violence, just trying to pull those kids from the situation of, of what they were used to, to to conform them to what we were trying to do with them. Right. Um, it was some kids that was that was that that strayed away from it, but it was some kids that kind of 
kind of led back to their life, and I and I and I found out it was because their 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 area, their background. They didn't have any other options. I dropped one kid off from an AAU trip, and he was the last kid. I'll never forget this kid. He told me in the van, Coach, can you drop me off last? Mm-hmm. I said, Okay, I'll drop you off last. So I dropped him off. As we go in this house, he's like, Coach, I don't want to go home. I said, Why? And he's like, Whatever you do, don't give my mama that money you was telling her for the for the lights. I'm like, Why? He's like, Just give it to me, or Coach, just go pay it yourself. When I dropped him off, I saw that the mom was doing drugs in the house. And I understood what that kid was saying at the time. You know, he didn't have another opportunity. Wow. He didn't have any options. So I'm I'm wrecking my brain as we moved on to how to create these platforms for kids where they can go and talk to somebody. If they need to, you know, possibly st- just live at an on-site school, we can sh- put those kids in that, those type of situations. And, I, and I'm, you know, my program is going good, but... I wanted to get even better. Right. I want to add um, even more resources and arms to help us to save these kids' life. That, that's what I'm all about. And if if I die trying, I'm okay with that. If I die trying to help as many kids as I can, that's what that's what I'm committed okay, to. Okay, let's doing. talk about that for a second. Mm-hmm. Have, you, have you been threatened? Um, it's been some crazy things before in the past. Yeah, it's, it's been different situations with with just parents, like you know, like. Because, I mean, I, I've been in the worst, some of the worst situations to pick kids up. Like, right. don't show up and pick my kid up. Uh, you know, it's been it's been a lot of different situations in the past where, you know, where it was just, oh, go and pick a kid up in a rough environment. Right. Where you got to walk through all these guys standing right here to right. go get that kid. But that's what I've had to do sometime to get it to that point, to this point, and to save those kids' life. I, that's what I've had to do. You're an incredible young man with an incredible story. Um. I heard you mention football. I heard you mention basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard you mention lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And you said that they need to be more involved in golf and other sports. And tennis. And tennis. Mm-hmm. And swimming. Did you say anything about baseball? Now, I'm not a baseball okay, fan Okay, you're right. Okay, all, you got me here. But I was just curious, what's the level of interest among young people when it comes to baseball? Well, that's one thing we're trying to improve with our program. My son's sitting there. He's probably, he's probably got a big smile on his face right now. <laughs> he's been like, Dad. We have to add baseball. We have to add baseball. Dad, I want to play baseball. So I think, I mean, because it's the highest paying sport. Mm-hmm. So we have to get our kids. And lot- the sport with the longest longevity. If, if, if you're successful, if you can make it into the major leagues in baseball, you can play for 20 For 20 years. years. And you can't say that about football. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, and nope. you can't say that about basketball. Right. So uh, my father, uh, who, who pastored this church for 50 years before uh, he passed, uh, used to always say, uh, if my grandkids showed any athletic interest at all, mm-hmm. I, I'd point them towards baseball. Right. Because you have the longest career, you make the most money, you don't have to get hurt. Right. You, you don't have to get hit all the time. Yes, sir. So, so I, 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 it was interesting to me that I heard you mention all these other mm-hmm. sports, I didn't hear baseball. Well, with baseball, it's something we're, we're gearing up to do, but... Um, we're gonna need additional resources and sponsorship to help us get those programs um, rolling. It's, it's just with me right now. We're just we're gearing up to add a lot of different components, mm-hmm. and baseball will be one as we move forward. You know, I just I know, like I told you, I'm letting God lead me with yeah. all these things, and and He might be telling me through my son because he's waking up every day. Can I? <laughs> can we do baseball, Dad? Why are you not letting me do baseball? So, um, and you're talking to somebody who doesn't like baseball. I am not a baseball I'm, fan I'm you. at I'm, all. I'm with you on that. You know, I'm with but, you on but, that. But I do recognize from an economic standpoint mm-hmm. that uh, young men who make it into baseball, 
can have stellar careers, mm -hmm. long careers, and make a whole lot of money. Yes, sir. And there's not a salary cap. It's not a salary like, cap. Like right. there are in other. Right, 385 million or something like yeah. the largest contract. Yeah. Yeah. Just incredible stuff. Yes, sir. All right, you, you went to Grambling, so we'll, we'll, we'll let that pass. Uh, who's your favorite football team? Pro football team. 49ers. Oh, God. You see those Cowboys banners sitting there? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Dallas Cowboy man. That's okay. And in fact, it was it was your 49ers and Joe Montana that That's right. and it burst my bubble back when I was a, a college kid. That's right. Uh, with the catch, Dwight Clark just passed uh, the other day, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm sorry to hear that. But uh, uh, what's your attitude about the responsibility of professional athletes I'm, to give mm -hmm. back to their communities and take stands? with regard to social justice right. issues. I'm glad you asked that. Um, right now, um, for the last two years, I've been running Ron Leary's football camps. Um, we put camps on here in Baton Rouge, totally free to the kids, um, totally free. He brings down all his NFL friends every year. And this year we had almost 350 kids. Um, so um, I've been working, running the NFL camps in Baton Rouge, and we've been able to see that I might say something, you might say something, but when that NFL athlete tell that, tells their right. kids to do something, they're going to do it a whole lot faster. Right. And we're using those platforms, and I'm reaching out to a lot of my NFL friends to keep coming back. I did a, a program with Tim Williams. Um, he asked me, he was a guy um, from this area who wound up going to Alabama as well. And he called me and said, Corey, I see what you're doing in Baton Rouge. Show me the kids I need to help. I said, okay, 70805, that's the worst area in Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. I took him on a tour. We went to Stroma High School. He went to class by class by class. Then eventually to the football and basketball team. And he spoke about overcoming adversity. Mm -hmm. He spoke about, you know, making the right choices. He, sm he spoke about how he lost over $10 million by making the wrong moves, you know, about doing things the right way. And I watched those kids as he spoke to them, and I'm like, he rushed that kid, he rushed that kid, he rushed that kid. And it was amazing just to see that. So that's one of the platforms I'm trying to use with a lot of my, I have a lot of NFL friends. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to use that platform to keep them coming back, not just one time for the camp, but instill programs within the youth sports, instill programs in education. Mm -hmm. um, let's let's meet with East Baton Rouge Paris and find out what things can we do as pro athletes, as successful business people to to ensure that kids are getting all the resources. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one thing we're actually in the process of doing right now with Ron Leary um, Foundation. Um, we're helping kids, and, and Tim Williams as well. So those are two guys I know that are from Baton Rouge, that made it out, that have millions right. of dollars now, right. that they're trying to come back and make a big impact. That's wonderful. I noticed last night, as this is being taped, uh, uh, it's the day after the NBA draft, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the uh, Young man, I can't recall his name. Jacob Evans uh, made it to the uh, uh, Golden State Warriors. Jacob Evans, in yes the first sir. First round, yes sir. And, and he's a Baton Rouge native yes, as sir. well. So Baton Rouge uh, is on the map when it comes to athletics, and we want to be on the map when it comes to academics and and when it comes to uh, being successful mm -hmm. uh, human beings this community. One of the things that, that troubles me, again, re referring back to the conversation I had with Mr. Wade a couple of weeks ago, it troubles me that uh, uh, young people feel the need to leave Baton Rouge 
in order to make their mark mm -hmm. in life. You mentioned it earlier yes, that uh, from a quality of life standpoint, we rank at the very bottom. Right. Uh, uh, what is it that you think we can do to retain more of the talent that we have here in Madison, where they don't have to go to Houston or to Dallas or to Atlanta or to Nashville in order to be successful? Athletically? Overall. Okay, well, well, something could stop letting people go to, gra for, go to Grambling for one. <laughs> I mean, we have enough talent. I'm just going to be honest. I'm just a transparent guy. Um, we have enough talent in the city to where they, where they really never have to even leave out of Louisiana to or, or Baton Rouge, per se, to to fill Monfort Stadium. Like, I mean, from a, from an economical standpoint, if you have a kid from Baton Rouge, it's more likely they're going to come, there's more people going to come to the games. Mm -hmm. So, and there's an opportunity for that kid right in the city. Mm -hmm. So we can kind of put a fence up of retaining our kids here. And, um, and I think Southern's getting a lot better with it, as well as LSU. We're, we're starting to retain our, our kids. Um, they, LSU just got the number one athlete in the nation. I saw that. And he's from Baton Rouge, so he right. stayed home. So a lot of kids just want to get away from the violence. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to get away from the violence, and they want to get away from poverty, and they want to see something different. And um, I was a kid that I think me going away, it might have saved my life even more because I was, a, uh, I, was away, I was able to go somewhere where I could just focus on what I needed to do instead of the distractions of, of the inner city sometimes. You know, mm -hmm. country, rural town. Um, I was able to focus on my academics a whole lot more. I was mm -hmm. able to focus on training a whole lot more. So, um, but what we can do to to get keep more of our kids going home one is connect with the police department, Hillmore, the mayor, and find out what we could do to keep our city safe. Um, I think we rank 48th in crime, 42nd in crime in the nation. So, mm -hmm. a lot of people are trying to run away from the crime. Right. You know, and um, honestly, sometimes when my kids got, have an opportunity to go do something different, um, I, I let them look at all options and make those decisions with their parents. Yeah. Um, we, we, I look back at a situation, and it, I'm from the Glen Oaks area, and it just it, it just was a major impact. We had a kid, Ryan Francis, who signed with USC. Great athlete. Came home on Mother's Day one weekend right. and was killed. Right. So, you know, it's just a lot of hatred in our city when we see people that make it. Instead of help congratulating that person it's a attack or you know and that's what we got to get out in Baton Rouge we got to increase the love of, of everyone and even with our little kids and that's what this is what I do with a little kid standpoint when we play against another team it might be a, a, a game where it's a little ride the kids don't want to shake hands I'll get with that coach or we'll get together hey coach let's pray together and we'll all pray together and I make the kids stand my kids are here they, they, they can tell you this is really going on stand by a kid that not that's not your teammate and I, I, we talk, uh, we talk to the coaches, and we educate the kids. On one day, you guys are gonna play against each other in high school. You know, you want to be like LeBron and and D Wade. You know, they 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 might be competitors, but when it's all over, it's all love. Yeah. And that's what we try to, and that starts as a, as a foundational level at the at the bottom. So if we can get those kids loving each other at a young age. You know, it would be great. I, I use Javante Smart as an example. That kid is loved across the whole city. He's played with all kids all over the all over the city. So he's the one kid I've saw that this year that everyone everyone wanted to gravitate to. They want him to see him be successful. And I, and that's think I think because that's due to his relationships all over the city. You know, he was he had relationships with, with youth sports programs all over the city. So I think that's that's one thing we could do as as youth sports program for sure is is get the kids together and nobody told me to do that that was just what God right. said like right. get the kids right. together pray together and 
that aspect had it. Because I, I think back when I was small, you have these rivalries where you would lose to a person or, or beat that person. Then later in high school, that same rivalry and that that thirst or that or that aspiration to beat that that person or that team, it still exists. Yeah. So if we can eliminate that and, and get the kids to understand it's all a game, and you, you're doing it for a big picture, which is to get to college one day, if this is what you choose to do, then I think that's one way to, to help bring the love and bring the city together. I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, I appreciate your coming and sharing your story with us and telling us, I didn't know about cream. Yes, sir. This has been a learning experience yes, for me. And I want to pledge that Shiloh is going to learn more about cream and, and I'd like to talk to you at some point in the future about how we might be able to play a role uh, in supporting what cream is doing for yes, young sir. people in this community. Yes, Mr. Ronfo, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much, Yes, sir. That's the end of this podcast, and uh, we look forward to the next one. Thank you so much for viewing and or listening.